CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the State of Recruiting's Open Mic. I'm Mike Roach from Orange 24-7. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a friend or colleague for a long-form conversation. This week's guest is Texarkana Pleasant Grove head coach Josh Gibson. Josh is a three-time state finalist and a two-time state champion uh, and one of the best high school coaches in the state of Texas. He joins me to talk about the culture he installed at Pleasant Grove when he got there, the way they're operating the program during the pandemic, and his two special seniors, Marcus Burris and Landon Jackson. So please enjoy this conversation with Josh Gibson. All right, my next guest on Open Mic is a three-time state finalist, a two-time state champion, uh, one of the most popular coaches in the state of Texas, and a friend of mine. Uh, it is Josh Gibson of the Pleasant Grove Hawks. Uh, Coach Gibson, thanks for joining me today. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Um, so the first question I, I usually start with with everybody is, uh, you know, what's, what's going on to get you through this pandemic other than trying to run a football program? In your personal time, what are you doing to pass the time? Yeah, you know, that – Probably more than anything, there's more personal time than we've ever had as a as a football coach, an AD, any type of coach. You spend so many, you know, so many hours chasing kids to to competitions and doing all that stuff, and it's awesome. But it's it's tough to balance, you know, your family life and your spiritual life. And this has given us so much time um, on the positive end of things to be able to focus on ourselves, spend a lot of time with the family. Um, spend a lot of time exercising so you don't go nuts, and um, that that part's been good. And then we've we've still been really grinding as much as we can to to come up with ideas and new ways to connect with our kids and make sure they're taken care of, which has been fun too. I want to go back before we kind of get into where you are now. You've it was about about a year ago. I came out to Pleasant Grove, didn't know, had never met you, um, and maybe talked to some of your kids once or twice, but didn't know really anything about your program. And uh, came out one day on a visit, and it really changed the way I saw uh, the way you were running things out there. When you got to Pleasant Grove, you've always told me it was a, it was a down program. Um, kind of a, a laughing stock of East Texas. You guys turned it around in a hurry, brought two rings to Texarkana since then. What was the, you know, what was the impetus? What was the culture you wanted to bring? Yeah, well, it was trying to get the athletic program to where it was just, there was excellence across the board. They are really successful at Pleasant Grove in a lot of different sports. Um, the golf program's been the state like 17 or 18 times in 36 years. I mean, it's amazing. The baseball team uh, tied a record for going six years in a row uh, to state. But there's a lot of specialization for a small school. Um, we didn't have, you know, some of the speed that some of the schools around us, not just good speed, but elite speed with Atlanta and LE. I mean, both of those schools were one and two at state and track um, each year. And um, so I think some, sometimes that kind of showed up on the football field. and. Our thing was we had to get the kids' minds 
um, set and, and the community to understand that, you know, we're, we're not going to be as fast as other teams, but we have some things at Pleasant Grove um, that, that we could really capitalize on. And that was um, kids that are going to work their tails off and really buy in and believe and, and possibly try to outwork others um, through strength and conditioning and time and, and getting 100% of kids involved in the, in, you know, like in the summer when, when a lot of programs don't. And um, kids started buying in. I think they saw uh, instant change with success. So the first year we went six and four in the regular season. We were picked to go one and nine. We were picked dead last in our district. Um, and they'd worked their tails off that summer. We had great attendance. So they were drinking the Kool-Aid and then they reap, you know, the reward. And, uh, and so then it was like, let's up the ante. And, and each year we grew a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, and, and then in year four, you know, was the pinnacle where, where we got to state title in the fourth year. Um, and, uh, and then it became all about let's continue to grow and not get complacent and how can we build on that. Um, but it's been awesome. I mean, and, it, and it's been awesome because every year our coaches get better. Um, every year our community support, um, which, is, uh, which is I think the best in the state of Texas. I think there's some – really unique communities out there and we have one at PG where everybody's all in and they love it um but but we we've gotten better and uh and we're still pressing ourselves to get better we got a long way to go you know we got to grow ourselves personally and become better versions of ourselves and so we focus on that a lot the relationships and then still you know try to capitalize on the grind part of it you mentioned year four. I remember when you guys showed up at state that year and I thought, oh, great, here comes another wing T team. And I think first play from scrimmage was, I don't remember the exact yardage, but big passing play, score touchdown right off the bat. And I thought this isn't your normal type of wing T team. Was there a, a, a moment maybe during that year where you always believe what you're doing is right, but is there a moment where you thought, okay, we're going to be pretty good. We got a chance to win this whole thing. Yeah, we, we had some big moments in that year. And, uh, um, I think beating Gilmer at Gilmer, that was the first district loss they had in 17 years. And uh, I can't remember if it was our first or second district game, but we'd been playing really good ball and we were undefeated. And, and now you got to go knock off who has kind of been the king of East Texas um, at the 4A Division II level. I mean, they did it as well as anyone. And they had just won a state title um, three, two years before that. And so um, – they were ranked one at the time, and, and we knocked them off. And um, that was a big win and gave our kids confidence that, you know, we might be able to finish this thing off and have a perfect season. Um, and, and then, you know, when we did, um, we beat a team that had 40 wins in a row and had been to state four years in a row in West Orange Stark. So that team, you know, the best characteristic about those guys is just their belief. And uh, they bought in. They did everything we asked them to do for four years, and they kept growing and getting better and, and uh, were able to accomplish some awesome things. You've got a bunch of really special players. Um, I, I mean, he's not going to be a guy we write about as a five-star quarterback, but I, I, you just lost Ben Harmon, who to me, and I've told you a couple times, I've never seen a better leader at quarterback in all my years watching football. Um, how, what is it, you know, what, what's the, I planned on talking to you about this when I came out this spring, but obviously that's not to be, but um, what's the plan to kind of move on from Ben and, and, and transition? 
Yeah, you know, that's a tough one because and I've been coaching for 20 years and then, you know, been around it my whole life. I'm 41 with, with my dad. And I just literally, my dad and me were just talking about Ben yesterday. I went down to my dad's place and just sat out on the patio and visited. And he said the same thing. I mean, that's a once-in-a-lifetime type of kid that he was. And, and so you're sitting there going, man, is it – am I never going to get to coach another kid like Ben Harmon? And, and we don't think like that. We hope there's another kid that comes along. But his leadership and the way that our program was impacted um, with the work ethic and, and, and really buying into everything the coach said, it all started with Ben, and, I, and he rallied his teammates. And he was around a lot of great kids that bought in just as well. But he's special, and he's so special – that you, you, I, I'm, I'm under the belief that you cannot replace every person. They, and I, you've heard before, you know, everybody's replaceable. And, and I totally disagree with that. I think positions are replaceable, not just in football, but in life and in business. You can replace that position. But you're, sometimes you're not going to be able to replace the impact or the production or the spirit. And so what we do is, you know, we, we don't have to have another Ben Harmon um, in 2020. We, we have to have another great football team. And, and that's our focus. It's never about one player uh, as unbelievable as Ben was. You know, you got Bruce Garrett who's going to BYU and Landon Jackson and Marcus and, and so many great athletes um, and, and all of them buying together. And that's what made us so special. And now Ben's gone. But we still have a lot of great kids who'll put their heart and soul into it. And so together, 22 of us have to be better in 2020 than we were in 2019. And that's our focus because we're just we're not going to be able to replace um, the production and the leadership of Ben. And that's not a knock on on our quarterback. I, I couldn't do that as a coach myself. Um, and I was a coach's kid. He's just better at it than I was. Yeah, I, I knew that was probably going to be your answer. I just wanted to give you a chance to brag on Ben because I know you like doing it. Um, I do want to get into the two guys you mentioned that my my listeners will be most familiar with. But um, you mentioned heart and soul, full tilt. That was, you know, from the time I came out last spring, it was written all over everything state. The expectation was very clear. Um, can you kind of talk about what goes into the heart and soul part and the full tilt and what those, those mantras mean to your program? Yeah, so – the third one is state. We want to try to be the best in state in everything that we're doing. And the only way you can achieve that is if you put everything you have into it. And so we ask kids to put their heart and soul into our program, um, be it attendance, the relationships, how, how tight we're going to get and how well we're going to work together. Um, we have one speed. When we, when we show up to school, we show up to serve in the community or we show up to practice and you've seen our weight rooms. I mean, that's every day. That's how it is. And, and it's a speed that it, we are going to exhaust ourselves. So there's not one rep that, that we didn't get where we go, man, uh, we, got, we have regrets later on. Our, our February 9th or our March 13th or April 20th is important as any Friday game. And so that's what heart and soul and full tilt means. We're going to put everything we have into every practice and into each other. We're going to do it at the speed of full tilt. And if we come up short versus a great team like we did at Carthage this year, we, we came up short in that game. There's nothing we could have done different on the preparation end, um, and, and, and we don't fall apart as a program. Um, we look at that and see how we can get better. Um, and our kids really buy into that. And I think that's what makes us so special is, is right now we have, we have workouts at 10 a.m. 
um, during this thing. And our kids all have weights at their house and they jump on Zoom meetings. And we have 100% of our varsity football players in attendance every single day during this thing. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know where else that happens. And I don't, it doesn't just happen either. I mean, you have to challenge them and let them know this, this isn't going to be the group that it falls off with. And so what's that going to take? It's going to take, um, it's going to take accountability and, and we're going to, to grow our program. We're going to have to put in more than we have and, and they understand and they hear that and then they do it. So it's a really special kid too at 15, 16, 17, 18 years old to listen to that and then go, man, I want to be different. And that's what I'm proud of as much as anything is our, our kids are driving this culture um, together with our coaches and it, it takes every piece. Yeah, that's something definitely we noticed when we came out last spring was this is, we had been to four places that day, I think, and it was just different. You know, the kids were, you didn't, the coaches weren't riding the kids as much as the kids were riding the other kids. And um, when you can get to that, it's, it's truly special, like you mentioned. I was at that Carthage game talking to your kids right afterwards, and I don't like to talk to kids after losses, especially a loss in a situation like that. But talking to your kids after that game, it was very business-like, like they understood, all right, this is it. This is going to be the loss we have, and then we're on to state for, for the rest of it. Two of those kids, uh, Landon Jackson, Marcus Burris, both uh, big targets of a lot of colleges, Texas among them. Um, just talk about each of those guys, what they mean to your team, and, and what you think about them as players and people. Yeah, so it, it's been really neat to watch both of those guys evolve um, from middle school, you know, all the way up. And first off, they're unbelievable football players. I, I mean, Marcus is – 6'5", 280. He dropped 35 and 25, two basketball games in a row when, when there were coaches down watching him. And they're going, wow, like that guy's going to play a defensive tackle position at the next level, and he's that athletic. Um, and then Landon gets out on the court, and you just see a tenacity of a football player playing basketball. Every rebound, every time a kid has the ball in his area, he looks like he's trying to break his neck for that play. And, and that's what gives me a lot of belief that he's going to excel at the next level. He's such an alpha dog, and uh, he plays so, so hard. Um, Landon broke our sack record for our school as a freshman um, that was loaded with nine college uh, football players in the senior class that year and found a way as a freshman to make an impact. Um, he's, he, they're great football players. They're also great human beings. Um, Landon is a – he's a little more vocal. Marcus is – I would call him a teddy bear, but in a good way. He, he's not going to play that way, but he's somebody that, uh, that just has a tender heart, and he, he's, he's awesome, and we need those type of guys in our program. Um, he's, they're both extremely accountable. Um, Landon's your uh, – he's your rabbit. He's your guy that's going to go um, line up with the fastest kids like the Sergios and Bruce's instead of lining up with the D linemen and go challenge them in runs. And uh, he never ceases to amaze me. I mean, we were running 200s two days after basketball, and we run from our slowest kids to our fastest kids. And I said, hey, you need to run the second to last group because the groups were getting smaller. And I could tell he was holding out the run with our running backs and receivers. And he, he's like, no, coach, I, I can beat all these guys. And we have a kid that can fly um, right now, Logan. Uh, Logan Johnson, he's our wingback. He got second in the 100 in a meet with Marshall, Carthage, 
Atlanta, Texas High, LE, um, all the fast teams, and, he, and he's that fast. And, and Landon beat him in a 200 run, and that's when you're going, man, he, he, he's going to be special. But his grind and his spirit, um, they're both awesome people. They both want to focus on growing themselves as much as they do as football players because I think they understand. We talk about it a lot. God gave them that gift of 6'6 six, six and 6'5, six, and they got it from their parents too. They both have really tall, tall parents, and they inherited those traits. But what do they do with that, those gifts? They're going to be great football players, but are they going to make an impact? And um, there, there's really neat stories about both of them. Landon um, communicating with kids, um, going to Little League practices, talking to other kids that have alopecia and reaching out to them. Um, and really trying to boost their confidence. They're, they're as good of people and human beings as they are football players, and that's, that's what's going to – they're going to leave big holes here, and they're going to leave big legacies when they leave. You know, you bringing that stuff up about Landon's athleticism reminds me back to January in a part where I'm, I don't want to spend a lot of time on because it was a stupid storyline, but Landon going out to the Future 50 camp did a drill he was unfamiliar with. It was the only thing they caught on video from him. And all of a sudden he's labeled as this kind of stiff or non-athlete. And it's just, it's insane to the people like me who cover him and have seen some of the things he can do um, and to go over that. So I'm not going to make you get deep into that because I know you've already uh, wasted your breath on, on, on those critics, but uh, yeah, a special, special kids and your whole program's full of them. Um, let me ask you about, you, you've got a lot of college recruiters that come through Pleasant Grove now. It's a very popular place for, for college recruiters because of those guys and other guys, Nick Martin and, and guys like that. Um, Texas, I think it's for the most part been Oscar Giles that's been out there. Um, I know Chris Ash made a couple stops in the, in the spring. Um, I know you got to meet Coach Valai at a, at a coaching convention we were all at. Um, just kind of talk about what, what the relationship with them has been like and the way they've recruited your program. Yes. So Texas um, has definitely put a ton of time into these kids and into our school. And it started with Wareheim. You know, he, he, he had East Texas. And uh, he's in New Mexico now. We know that as the offensive coordinator. But he, he did a great job connecting with us. And I had a relationship with him because he was actually recruiting DFW when they were at Houston and Sam Houston State. And I was at Frisco. So we knew each other there. Um, as soon he recruited the boys really hard, and as soon as he started recruiting them and noticed they were special, Oscar got involved early on. And I would say um, in the first two years, they probably did as good a job pursuing the guys, making the guys feel special as anyone did. Um, it almost inundated them with you know Texas hype, um, posters, text messages that you can pass on, and uh, and letting the boys know how much. You know, they appreciated them, wanted them. Um, the guys all went up there for several visits uh, at a young age. I mean, sophomore year, that was Marcus's first time he ever went on a college campus. And it, it was a little awkward. And uh, you're trying to teach him professional skills and how to talk to coaches. And, and uh, he's just such a sweet guy. He's not cocky, which is awesome. And, and, and so you see him come back a year later, and you would even hear the coaches say, man, Marcus is growing up, you know. And it's like, absolutely. I mean, uh, hopefully all of us are. But um, I think they even noticed some growth in him, not only as a, as a person, but really his video. And Coach Ash hit on that this year um, when he came out and said, you know, he watched Marcus's early season video compared to the end of the year. 
and, and how much he was growing as a player, um, which we still got another year with them. We're gonna, he's going to continue to grind and get better and better. But they've done a great job connecting with the kids, pursuing them, and, uh, and, and, and uh, building relationships. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier you guys are doing Zoom workouts. What other kind of things are you guys able to do to kind of connect with your team? Maybe Do you guys have some sort of captain's meetings or something like that to make sure the culture is staying in there? Yeah, I, about anything and everything. Uh, started off with the Zoom meetings team-wide, um, divided our kids up into subgroups, put three coaches with each subgroup. Coaches make three phone calls a day to get an intimate one-on-one -on -one conversation with the kid. Every kid's hit that way. And then the kids would call each other. Um, so we wanted to make sure, you know, none more struggling too bad because some of their parents might be unemployed. They, they might not be home at much. They might be going through this on their own. We wanted to encourage them. And then we wanted to start giving them things each day to make this productive. So we started a YouTube channel and put different topics on how to structure your day. Um, you know, it was the very first one. Uh, so that they didn't let, you know, just TV and video games take over their lives. They were going to be productive. Um, nutritional habits and things that they needed to focus on. And then um, there would be so many different topics, and we'd send those to the whole team. They'd watch them. We could check analytics on YouTube and see how many of them were watching and for how long they were watching it to hold them accountable. And then we'd come back and have, like you said, um, captain meetings with seniors only. Um, some different things there, but I think the thing that really took our helped our program take off take off was we were going how many of these guys are actually going to be working out on their own every day where they get five or six hours into the day and go I'm going to work out later, but they kind of go through the motions, and so we started the the Zoom out the Zoom program at 10 a.m. every day where they were going to check in you know, for role, they're going to grind through their workout. You can see them working. You can see the effort they're putting in and uh, also hold them accountable. And um, that, that's been awesome. I mean, that's probably the best thing that we're doing because you can see faces. You can talk like we are. I think we're building our relationship right now, even though we're over Zoom because it's still intimate. Um, so you can build the relationships. We're going to have growth during a time where others might be stagnant or a stalemate happened, so we're not going to fall back there. And then the accountability part was huge. And then when you do all those things and you think you're doing things different than other programs, that builds belief. And belief's the best thing we have going. And um, so it gives us something to believe in that hopefully we're a little different. Uh, my last question for you is um, I'm sure you've been in contact a little bit with the UIL um, how involved have they been in kind of keeping you guys updated on what, how they feel this is going to play out? And um, do you anticipate maybe any changes in the summer to make up for this loss of spring? Yeah, so that's twofold. One, I think our UIL has done better than any sports um, group out there. And, and not to take anything away from the professional level, but with the, early on when they made decisions to cancel – seasons and everybody was panicked and didn't think this was that big of a deal I told our coaches I said these are billion dollar organizations they know something that we don't know they're talking to people that we hadn't talked to yet and they have information that we don't but the neat thing I think that the UIL did is the whole time instead of just saying we're canceled they said we're going to give you hope if this if we can get kids back in May 
or get them back at the end of May or even the beginning of June, we're going to try to give you guys uh, district tournaments, playoffs, and state championships for all these spring sport programs. And they said, we'll go into July if the superintendents want to. And so I always thought that they were putting a kid's first mentality and really wanted to give the kids an experience instead of doing the easy thing and just saying, we're done for this, this semester, we're done with the senior group. So that was special for parents and, and, and coaches of spring sports and these athletes that give them hope. Um, the second thing, the second part of your question was, do I think there's going to be some changes to this summer? And I, and I really do think there are. We've had some regional meetings and uh, emails that are going around where both the THSCA and the UIL are getting together to see um, about giving us more time to work with our kids in the summer since we missed out on, on the spring. And, and a lot of five and six days lost out on spring ball. Not to say that they're going to let us wear helmets and things of that nature, but give us more time instead of two hours on just strength and conditioning and two hours a week possibly looking at, at kind of, I guess, manipulating that and for, because of the circumstances. And, and um, I think we're in the right spot. I think UIL is awesome. I think THSCA is. Um, I think they're doing everything they can to be kid first and, uh, and, 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 and really also think about, you know, giving us some opportunities to catch up on some of these missed opportunities. So kudos to both of those groups and organizations. And they've done a great job of connecting and, and just continually giving us more hope. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, thanks for taking some time out. Selfishly, I'm glad you and I got to connect and talk a little bit because that's something I, I was looking forward to this spring. And I um, uh, can't wait to get back out there and see you guys this summer, maybe. Hey, I appreciate you covering us. Thanks for what you're doing. And uh, you guys make Texas football big. So it's guys like you that make us feel special. Thank you so much. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.